the pandemic, civil unrest, protest, and the road to the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. J.K.L. Engineering. Folks, whether it's wintertime, spring, or summer, they'll keep you nice and comfortable in your home. Why not let J.K.L. Engineering let them design and install a natural gas, high-efficiency carrier infinity system? Energy-efficient, quiet, more affordable than you think. No gas, no problem. Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a high-efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, it can reduce your oil bill as by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market, and they also do new installation replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. Now, J.K.L., is a carrier factory authorized dealer. They're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Folks, let's face it. Being inside, being comfortable in your home, is there anything more important right now with what we're going through? Call J.K.L. Engineering. Central Air is a game changer for your life. Talk about improving quality of life. Here's what I'm saying. J.K.L., they'll keep you warm in the wintertime and cool in the summertime. 53 years of experience, their reputation second to none whether you're in rhode island or massachusetts call jkl engineering today estimates are free financing is available for both residential and commercial call my friends at jkl 401-351-7600 remember estimates are free financing is available let's be nice and comfortable in your home jkl 401-351-7600 you're listening to the John DePietro Show. Weekdays, we start at 11, we go till 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Folks, it's time for our segment, Politics, this week. Joining me, he is managing editor just of uh, oceanstatecart.com.com, Justin Katz. And Justin, well, today was supposed to be the first day of school, and instead, I believe it's decision day, where we're going to find out exactly um some of the plans, uh, some districts are saying uh, going back in person, uh, many are fighting. And so let's start off by uh, talking that today we're going to learn more about this whole business that they are scheduled to go back in two weeks from today now. Yeah, it's. Um, <laughs> I think it's probably later than it could have been done, but I have to say something about the way it's all, as a, as a parent, and I'm not so concerned about the governor's actions today, but she doesn't give the sense of give parents a lot of comfort. I mean, right. And at this point she's talking about, she set up this quick response group that can swoop in at a moment's notice to help schools out. And they, she's hiring, she said uh, a air quality specialist who's going to walk through every school. It seems like this ought to have been done by now. I, I, that's kind of as a, as a voter and a, a consumer of education that that's, I'd be much much more comfortable if the governor were saying our air quality specialist has already walked through not you know we're coming up two weeks from now we've got a decision to make and i'm hiring somebody it's not a a confidence inspiring thing and so i think that's part of the problem here uh, is we we've gotten i don't know maybe it was all the time she spent running for vice president on a democrat ticket but uh we're just not where you would expect a, a professionally run organization to be that said uh I, this week, last week on Ocean State Current, I did take a look at the eight districts that said they're only going back to, uh, they're, they're going back with distance learning again, they're not ready to open. And honestly, they've all got really massive budgets. So you range from around 50 million up to Warwick has over $160 million budget. And they're all acting as if they need the state to tell them what to do and how to do it. And that's where they bear a lot of responsibility too. I mean, if, if they were private companies with that level of a budget, uh, you'd think they could handle it themselves and, and figure it out. And private companies would have to, or they would go out of business. And that's part of the contrast we're seeing with private schools in Rhode Island and across the country is they've had to figure it out because it, People aren't going to pay them to sit home and, and do class on a computer. Uh, so I think that's the contrast we see. And I, I think it, it's a good evidence that we we're, the governor hasn't gotten us where we need to be. Uh, and maybe something in the way we do government and education in Rhode Island, Rhode Island is, is actually preventing us. And that's a lesson for, for all the time, not just COVID. We're, 
they're preventing us from having the education system we, we kind of need. I also believe, though, Justin Katz, that all these plans have to be approved by the state. So I have to admit, I'm a little confused as to they're voting yes or no. Yet it's right from what I understand that they have to have the final say. So I, I think I mean, what's your understanding? I think there's going to be some pushback with some of these communities saying that they want to start distance learning. Well, I think so, too. I, I just, you know, I but I think that's part of the, you know, you see this all the time in, in government actions. It's really everybody's looking for somebody else to take responsibility for a risk, basically, is how it works out. Uh, and so, the you know, the, the state does have to approve uh, plans for the municipalities, the, the local school districts. But the same was true of, of private schools they, and colleges. They've presented uh, plans to the state. So it's not, I mean, any, so you take a $160 million organization like the Warwick School Department, they come up with a plan that's strong and reasonable and that's going to convince parents that everything is safe. They hand it to the governor, you know, to some extent, it's a, it's a rubber stamp. I mean, you need, you need a license to work, right? That doesn't necessarily mean it's the, the government's responsibility to, to make sure you're, you're the best you that you can be. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of shared responsibility. I, but I think it's, it just comes back to that dynamic of, of finding somebody to blame and it's always nobody. And that, that's a real problem. Should um, last week when those districts that all announced that they were going to go back distance learning, they were having problems, they said, and they also, they composed a letter and then some superintendents or some union leaders all signed it. When I was talking to Dan McGowan, he, I believe he said that all of the ones that handed this in that say that we're starting distance learning, they're all AFT union, American Federation of Teachers Union. There's two different unions, NEA Rhode Island, that's Bob Walsh and company. AFT, that's, although that's Frank Flynn, that's also Randy Weingarten, who's had some go-rounds with the, with the governor and the education commissioner. And I mean, I'm hearing from people that Providence does not have a contract. And so out of solidarity to Providence, who's AFT, that's why you have Warwick, Pawtucket, Cranston, Woonsocket, and then whoever the, the rest of them are. I think Dan McGowan said that those are all AFT districts. And then I want to add in, I'm hearing it's because out of solidarity with Providence, believe it or not. Justin Katz, should the media be reporting that part of it? That I mean, to me, it's no coincidence the schools that are saying they're not going back are all AFT. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's part of the story. I mean, the, the way government is supposed to work and including the news media is they're supposed to take actions. The public understands what actions they've taken, why things are happening the way they're happening and votes accordingly and changes the system if need be. Uh, so if the news media isn't reporting that and making that, I mean, that, a, that's a central part of the story is the, the labor union's involvement and their reluctance and their resistance is a central part of the story um, really ought to be in every article or news TV news report about uh, schools not opening. And if it's not happening that way, that's people aren't getting a correct sense. So I, I think that's part of the, the organizational problem uh, that we, we have with these, with these, very large school districts that that just can't seem to get things working they it's definitely part of the problem and it definitely needs to be reported more yeah i um i'm going to play that out more right now it's not uh it wasn't in the article i asked dan about it when i was doing a segment with him last week and he said they're all aft and then i hear from different people you know over the weekend it should be because it also i think um and again, folks, we're speaking with Justin Katz, managing editor at OceanStateCurrent.com. Our segment is politics this week. Justin, I, I think it also adds a completely different uh, element to the to the story because especially, you know, the New York Times reported that Governor Mundo was supposed to be a finalist. She wooed them and dazzled them with her interview with Joe Biden. And then it was a high profile union leader that put a kibosh on the whole thing. And then basically that prevented her from then flying in and meeting with the Biden people the next step. Well, anyhow, um, different people that I've talked to locally, they believe that that person was Randy Weingarten of AFT, who was that's Providence, was upset the way that 
the uh, the Providence teachers were portrayed in the John Hopkins report. Uh, she's had, as I said, some go rounds with um, with Afonte Green, and then obviously now with Ramundo. So seemingly, even though it's supposed to be about COVID, if this is being reported properly, and what I'm going to do is I, I'm going to get connect all the all the dot dot all the the eyes and connect all the dots. But I, I because I think that's a big part of the story that so far. Um, for different reasons is not being reported. I, I will say this, that I know that at least one member of the media has told me, and I'm not saying it's Dan McGowan, but, you know, a lot of times when they're working with Team Ramundo, they, you know, get stuff. Can we keep this off the record? And unfortunately, it seems like it to me that becomes important information that would be worth it for the public to know about but the way that they get it obtained is through an off-the-record conversation i'm not trying to get too in the weeds but i i just and before we move on, i i just think that ought to be uh brought to light the fact and that can't be ignored if all of these districts are all with the same union and a huge motivating part is that providence is sitting there same union and no contract now that's a that's a good insight, and I, I think it points to um, it points to how we're we're really just seeing here in in kind of a concentrated form with the virus uh, the problem we've had with education for decades now, and I think I w- it was interesting. I, I wonder how this plays into it, where the, the governor and the education commissioner said, "Well, if if you're in a district that refuses to open, you can go to a nearby district that." Right. That is not refusing to stay. Yeah. Now, I don't know how many how many school districts are out there saying, yes, send us your people uh, in, in, a, in, a, in the middle the midst of all this. But that's kind of the uh, Senator Gordon, uh, Republican from uh, the western part of the state, pointed that out. I mean, that kind of school choice idea is a you know, that's that's the whole point. If your district can't get it together uh, because it's incompetent or because it's got labor unions that won't allow it to get it together, uh, then you ought to be able to go somewhere else. And that, that ought to apply whether there's a pandemic or not. I, I, I agree. And what do you make of the fact, what is your take that this week, Governor Mundo, she's doing a briefing every day. It's on education. And she also um, introduced the fact that she's going to have the National Guard helping her with these reopening and checking out the schools. Um, this is a governor, Justin. She's become very comfortable. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but just an observation. Very comfortable using the National Guard. Um, well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of work to do in a small budget, so I'm sure they look for every workforce they can. But uh, the I'm of two minds of the on a five-day you know, daily press conference thing. On one hand, you know, at this point where we are headed in, into a kind of a stressful time where decisions need to be made, and the public needs to be informed. So it makes sense for the governor to be available every day to answer questions and, um, and, and keep people confident that everything's going in the right direction. On the other hand, it's another use of her time. I'm not sure is worthwhile. I mean, all this stuff, the task force with the national guard, the, the going through schools, the, all that stuff, we just got through a summer when there was no school because it's summer. This, this all could have been done by now I, and should have been done by now, I think. So I think that's that's the two the two minds I have is on the one hand, yeah, it's a time to be informing people. But on the other hand, it doesn't seem like enough has been going on in the background of actual work, getting everybody prepared uh, to to get us to where we are right now. I think we, we should be poised to open up schools and then, the, you know, everything's in place and the governor's just saying, okay, I've got a few hours a day to, to talk to the to people uh, through this confusing time. That would be one thing, but I just don't, I just don't know that we're, we're as prepared as we should be. I um Before we go to the break, I, again, it's, I, I hear different things. One thing is if you look at the calendar next week, the teachers are supposed to be reporting in after Labor Day for professional uh, development days. I I believe this week, the reason she's doing it every day is the unions are in, they, they are the ones holding things up. They're the ones saying that they, they won't go back. It's not safe to go back, even though the numbers right now are the lowest they've been in quite some time as far as the virus. I believe it's it's to be able to, to combat spin that's going to come out. Uh, so if every day you're talking to the press 
you know, you speak on Monday, the unions put out spin and try to flip it. So Tuesday you come out, you combat that. It's almost as if it's like a football game where they get the ball, then you get the ball, then they get the ball, and you get the ball. Um, I believe, I, I think that's what it plays into it because this week is when they want to go into overdrive because um, as we've talked about, the unions, especially AFT, they don't want anyone to go back. They don't want anyone to go back. They want all distance learning until they see some more money. Um, the way it was explained to me was they've decided this is a negotiating tactic ploy opportunity, if you will. Um, you know, we'll do the distance learning thing, but if you actually want us back in the classroom, that's a that's a separate price. That costs a little bit more. So therefore, blah, 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 like that type of thing. Never let a crisis uh, but, go to waste. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. But we're going to see a lot of um, of the governor this week. Folks, um, and also, um, well, we'll talk about her on uh, Block Island. Our segment is Politics This Week with Justin Katz. A lot more ahead. We're going to take a quick break, and they'll be back in a lot more with Justin right here on the John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers that won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession. MEGA Professionals, call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates, FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service, Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Our segment is politics this week. With me, he is the managing editor, OceanThinkArt.com, Justin Katz. Justin, this is a minor thing, but I think people underestimate. I um, I was actually the one that posted, as I think of it, on the website. Governor Mundu has been out on Block Island, which is fine, uh, vacationing with her family, fine. She, according to this store, she went take, trying to find an ice cream place with his son, started chatting with these people inside of a store, went in, and then sure enough, boom, a photo is posted on Instagram, and the governor has no mask on. I, I know the herder people feel this is a non-story, but the way it rocketed Justin Katz, I, I think they just, they won't acknowledge that with people in Rhode Island, that is a sore point 
anytime she is seen without a mask. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it, it would be anywhere. I think the the whole we're kind of we're living in a very strange time when everybody yeah. everybody's really pretty keen on a key to the fact that we're we're doing a lot of overkill with this virus. I mean, if you look at most cities and towns in in Rhode Island, I believe have had no cases for weeks, um, and we all know we're taking all these precautions. So if you're wearing a mask, I, there's a meme I saw on, on social media the other day. You know, if I'm wearing a mask, why do I need to social distance six feet? If I'm social distancing six feet, why can't I be only limited to 15 people and so on and so forth? We're doing, we're layering it all in there. So when the governor uh, is seen with this, with no mask, it, it's her judging, okay, me being in this person's picture with my face exposed is important enough to take the very, very minimal risk that I bumped into the one person in, you know, 20,000 who's visited Block Island or lives on Block Island this, this summer who might have it and I might catch it. So that's, it's worth the risk for me to take my mask off. And everybody knows that's what it is. I mean, even, even at the school districts, if you're looking, if you're in a town where you've had zero cases for three or four weeks, there's, you, you know, you can't catch a virus from somebody else who doesn't have it. Uh, right. And so I think that's what it is. It's, it's kind of, oh, anybody would have taken her mask off. Exactly. But she's telling us, <laughs> you have to wear masks in public. She's imposing that on everybody for months and months and months. And that, I think, really justifies the outrage and makes it actually a story. I think you're right. And also, but let's touch on the fact, Black Island, in the last, I don't know how many weeks now they have had zero cases and a number of other communities are way down i want to just go back to the schools just for a moment Justin cats what do you make of the fact that some districts are you know putting together there's there's a school in east greenwich i believe hannaford they're going in person back five days a week come up with a plan they're satisfied with it cases in east greenwich very low um what what is your take on the whole back to school thing because to to me i'll share your mind first i um i just think a lot of these people i i get tired of reading that they were it's almost like they refuse to acknowledge we're in an emergency emergency you don't operate the way you normally would if something if you lose power in your house you don't then still sit in your chair and say this is where i watch television you, you have to do something different. You have to preserve the food. You have to get candles. You have to get lights. You don't just keep sitting there saying, nope, TV doesn't work. Nope. Uh, like, you know, the refrigerator's off. No. I mean, we, we know all that. Um, I, I recognize down south in different places, if you're not following the guidelines of the distancing, the mass, the hand washing, that the you can have outbreaks. But by and large, where does where where do you stand regarding the uh, the whole back to school debate? Well, I th I think, frankly, I'm I'm not so sure we're in emergency circumstances anymore, and I, I think uh, I'm not sure how the governor is continuing to perpetuate the sense that she can continue this this level of uh, control um, without an, an actual emergency. So, in that context, I mean, the other week I looked at on OceanStateCurrent.com, I looked at the I contrasted the this flu that that went through the United States in the late 60s with the one now and our population the elderly population is three times as as large now and I think that's part of the reason why this is seeming like a major problem but so to me if you're if you're in a district that has has had zero cases the odds that any child will have it are very small uh, children themselves are not highly susceptible to this thing. Most of them probably wouldn't even know they had it and they kick it easily if they do. Uh, so they're not a huge risk. And then even teachers, I mean, most, if you're under 65, very, very small chance of, of death or even hospitalization from, from this virus. So it's it, at that level, it's kind of like a flu thing. And so I think we're, we're making it seem like a, like a much more dramatic thing. And most of the crisis is psychological in my view. Uh, so I think we should be back to make everybody feel better. We take a lot of the precautions. Um, and then I, th I think that's basically it. And we'll be, we'll be done and through it, uh, you know, in not much time, but we're, we're really causing a lot of damage uh, in, in the insecurity. I know my wife's a teacher and they've had a lot of, a lot of their conversation has been about trauma and dealing with, I mean, even, even the level of, of caution and fear kids are picking up on 
right now is traumatic to them. And that's going to be a major problem, not now, but not only now, but, but throughout their entire lives. So I think that's, that's kind of my take is it's, let's just get it back. Let's get back going. Um, we need to stop talking about cases. What was it? Notre Dame. There's a outbreak of a hundred and something cases. Well, yeah. When you, when you find one person through random testing who had no symptoms, I'm not sure this is the case at Notre Dame, but it's, it's entirely plausible. Uh, and then you test everybody that person's talked to in the past week and everybody that person, those people have talked to in the past week, you're going to find people who test positive, but don't have any symptoms at all. So I, I think we need to have a more realistic conversation and we need to stop terrifying people. Now, um, just to, you know, let's talk specifics. Barville and Cumberland, both low cases, they both announce we're not going back in person. It's not safe. Right. Well, I think that those are the incentives we've created is it's it's once, you know, it's sort of like at the beginning of this, everybody was kind of wondering, what do we how do we respond to this? And then I, I think Harvard was the first to pull the trigger and say, all you kids go home. And once one school, once one district, once one company or government or state starts acting like that, all the others have to really well, whether or not this is whether or not this is a real threat, we have to act like it is because if something were to happen and we're the only district that, that ignored it, we're going to be in big trouble. Uh, so I, I think that's the dynamic we're looking at now. And so I, if, they, if it were much, if we're more, more realistic as it should be, districts would be saying, look, we've had no cases in the entire town, let alone, let alone among school right. children. Well, yeah, that's why I'm saying, first of all, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, the numbers are very low. There's other things at work. But for them to just say, nope, it's not safe, we're not going back, that, that as much as the governor, I'll say that she could keep saying, listen, that's unacceptable. But there's a problem that those two particular communities are just going by this. I think it's a false narrative that it's, it's safe and therefore we're not going back. Folks, we're going to take a quick break, come back. A lot more. Justin Katz, managing editor, OceanStateCurrent.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. This portion of the program is brought to you by West Fountain Auto Body. Now, you know, I didn't make a big deal about it, but my vehicle was actually damaged uh, by some of the protesters when I was covering one of the protests. I didn't make a huge deal about it. I wouldn't want to be the focal point, but it's true. Some of the uh, protesters, they did. They damaged my vehicle. They broke the window on the side of my car. So what did I do? I brought it to West Fountain Auto Body, and you can call them today, 272-3340. I had to get it fixed. It was obviously damaged. They also damaged part of the door. And so I took it to West Fountain. I called Kenny at West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. It's Kenny and Patricia, West Fountain folks. They did a fantastic job. With me, I mean, that's there was only one place I was going to bring it. I needed to get my car fixed. Now, listen, if you're ever in an automobile accident, something happens to your vehicle, and you need to get it repaired, call West Fountain Auto Body, 272-3340, 272-3340, the original, the best, right behind the Providence Public Safety Complex. It's West Fountain Auto Body. Call them today, 272-3340. They'll handle everything for you. If you're in an accident, something happens to your car, bring it to West Fountain. 400 West Fountain Street, Providence, right behind the Providence Public Safety Complex. West Fountain Auto Body. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www. If it's time for a new roof, call R&R Roofing today at 401-823-1330. R&R Roofing. Have you been thinking about getting, maybe it's time, repair that roof. Maybe it is time for a new roof. All types of shingle, flat roofs. You know, it's so important for your structure, whether at home or work, you need a roof, folks. 
That is what keeps nothing else matters in your home. If you don't have a solid roof, call r Roofing today. All work is guaranteed. Call for a free estimate at 401-823-1330. The owner, Richard Rossi, over 40 years in business. Call r Roofing today. Call for a free free estimate. All work is guaranteed. 401-823-1330. Fully insured. And on top of that, Angie's List, award winner, over five years in a row. Now, I've met with Richard Folks, he cares. He cares attention to detail. And on top of that, impeccable cleanliness throughout the job. Job site is waterproof daily. Call for a free estimate. And all work is guaranteed. That makes such a difference. R&R Roofing. Now, if you're thinking of having your roof done, maybe it is time for a new roof. At least call at least call R&R Roofing and get a free estimate. 401 823 1330 401-823-1330 for R&R Roofing. You can also check out their website. It's r&rroofingri.com. Call them, 823-1330. It's R&R Roofing. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me, he's the managing editor, OceanStateCurrent.com, Justin Katz. Justin, last night, again, there I was. I was in Providence covering the protesters. Uh, you know, I, I've already, I haven't seen a lot of the coverage. I go because I want people to see it. Uh, we had a very successful Facebook Live last night. We even had some people from Australia that were tuning in, uh, states all over the country. One of the reasons I go, I could see some of the other reporters that were there. and, and Well, actually, um, I saw the person from the journal and then, I saw one television clip that just gives the whole thing. This is done in memory of Jacob Blake and solidarity and all this other foolishness. To me, this is more of the defund the police, uh, anti-police uh, group that, that goes. And um, you did. Uh, I, I really like this and I want people to be able to see it. I guess you've resurrected. Uh, you do like a, would you call that like a video blog or I forget what you call that in. Yeah, like a video comment. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, video commentary. I want people to be able to see it. And and also, just on a technical thing, that's a, is that a green screen that you must have in the background? Yeah, you know, I my the setup of my... Works really yeah, well. The, the setup yeah. of my office isn't great, so the, my, I need my more powerful computer to run all the video. And so you, the only view I can provide people is of my entire house, and my kids might walk by, or who knows what can happen. So I figured I needed a no, green screen. No, it came out very uh, well. But touch on that, because it obviously your commentary struck a nerve with uh, a local. Yeah, well, the um, the show is called Last Impressions. It's the name of I was doing a, an audio only podcast a couple of years ago um, and priorities changed and it took a lot of time. So I stopped doing it. But um, with Facebook Live being what it, what it is, I'm trying to pick that up again. Uh, and so this this week, Last Impressions was was about um, how the, the news media really, I, I think, well, I call it blacklisting, but basically deciding who is who deserves their airtime. And you've you've been at the center of this, being as active as you have. You know, when you've got Steph Machado of Channel Twelve kind of complaining yeah. that you asked a question of the, the governor and education commissioner during a press conference because her news station was her uh, station was yeah, carrying so you were coming on to their their success to ask your question uh and then tara granahan on wpro is doing something very similar uh and somehow i i'm involved in it but just this idea that if she's actually calling it harassment that i i mentioned a, t a tweet of hers i didn't think was was a good idea uh so it's, it's harassment of me to to even comment on tara granahan's show somehow uh, but i think that's very dangerous i tie it all together with uh the the increasing assaults on conservatives and conservative news gatherers um you're an example with the the laser attack uh there are, you see black lives matter minnesota is great with with for examples i mean black lives matter there was a, a mob that was led by a candidate for office and he went into the suburban neighborhood of his competitor and then uh, the mob beat pinatas of him, of him and his wife, who's a local news journalist out there. And there's another young news journalist uh, for Alpha News. She was covering a protest like you do. Uh, and there was an orchestrated sub mob that kind of chased her away and assaulted her. Uh, that doesn't get reported because they've decided 
these mainstreamers, the WPRI, WPRO, even, um, and the the news the newspapers, they've decided that what happens to us doesn't really count. We're agitators. You know, it's almost it's almost it's almost Marxist. You know, we're we're agitators, so we deserve what we get. We shouldn't be there anyway. We're probably just trying to do it for out of our personal desire for personal gain and attention. Uh, we shouldn't have gone to that rally. It was our fault. Our dresses were too short. Uh, that's why the rape happened. I mean, that's that's kind of the dangerous attitude we're getting into. And so that's that's that was my theme on this week's last impressions. And I want to touch on it. this had to do with last Monday night. And again, I was out there, and the protesters went up to Federal Hill because of the shooting in Wisconsin, and they completely interrupted. And I thought it was not the context of it. You know, the Providence Journal, and they showed a photo of the, of the protesters, quote, sitting down, having a deep, powerful moment. I was there, Justin, and it's hard to explain to people. When you have over 100 people, and they're loud, and everyone has a mask on, and there's people floating all over the place, and you can't tell who's with the protest, who's not, because the protesters, it's not like they stay in formation. They break off, they talk to people, they come around, they harass this one or that one. It was um, filthy language. And the thing that struck me was they basically singled out a family, a family that was there, the little girl and the parents, and, um, and they would not stop harassing the diners until this family left. And it was described as, oh, the protesters were having a conversation with the diners. And they, there's no mention of the language and the threats and I had different people. I had some people with me that were working with me that night, and they're talking, and no one wanted to come on um, uh, and do an interview live. They, they were fearful. I talked to them that later that night and the next day that they don't want the mob to come back and be in front of their place. It, it's once again, you know, I could do, but if this were in any way remotely Trump supporters, it would have a completely different tone. But they don't mention the language, they don't mention the threats. They don't even bother to track down the woman and her family that left or some of the other people. Instead, they speak to, as you mentioned, one motorist after they blocked the highway that said he was proud of them and he was happy to kind of get out of his car and protest. Yeah, that was another uh, another post on Ocean State Current I did using your video from that that evening. Uh, the, yeah. the contrast is absolutely clear. So you've got the Trump boat parade uh, and thousands of people. The Providence Journal article uh, – covered it better than most of the others more reasonably with more accurate numbers and interviewed some of the people who were there in support, but made a point of finding people that, you know, two people out of in that crowd who were there kind of opposed and giving them plenty of space. And of course they're smiling, nice people as they're described. And they use that conversation as an excuse to try to link the president to QAnon, uh, you know, and other unseemly groups. Uh, that's kind of what you get when it's a Trump, boat rally we saw it actually again with with the caravan uh the providence the providence yes. journal article is more than 50 percent talking to a single guy out there with a black lives matter uh sign the and the journalist from the from the details was obviously standing there hanging out with this guy and but it's a yeah. it's a trump rally that he's covering but he's talking to the the one person who's holding a black lives matter flag that's what you get when you're you're on the conservative or trump's side uh but then, as you as your video showed in fe on Federal Hill, Madeline List from the Providence Journal in your video, there was one guy in a purple shirt walking his dog who was yelling at the <laughs> yelling yep. at the protesters, probably saying you're disrupting lives. Go home. I couldn't quite make out what he was saying in the video. But you can you can actually see once that guy yells something, Madeline List from the Providence Journal turns her head, looks at him. And then a moment later, kind of steps away about five feet as if I'm putting some distance right. between myself and this counter pro. That's what you get when it's the other way around. They're not going to give any air to that guy. They, as you said, they, and I wrote in my article as well, they, there's a woman who, who kind of yelled back at them, but who is she? We don't know. And then she is that just that she left with her family. Well, was she done with her dinner? Did they drive her out? What are the details here? We just don't know. We don't find out because the news media they're not interested, as you've said, uh, and is obviously clear, they're there to cover um, their allies, basically. They're there to promote them and promote that message. And it was one of the, I, I'm blanking on her name, but there was a, the other day, a Channel 10 re reporter, another young woman reporter said, social justice is just being a decent person. It's not about an op opinion. Well, <laughs> no, not really. So, they're not even it's not even hidden anymore they're just they're there promoting their side uh, and i i think that's a, that's a problem although to some extent if we're 
to, to go to a, something a little bit more political horse race kind of thing, we're starting to see nationally the Democrats are are starting to realize they shouldn't be on the side of rioters and people burning down cities. Oh yeah. But if, as we see in Rhode Island, that's the narrative. There's it's not you know Biden rally versus Trump rally. It's not uh, Antifa versus Proud Boys on the conservative side. It's Trump rally here. You know people just riding in their boats, riding in their cars, rah, rah, American flags, and then protesters there. That is the clear contrast that they, they can't even avoid. And I, I, that I don't know if that's going to work out for them. So hopefully the, the problem of the news media being so biased will actually serve to, to bring about the outcome they don't want, which is another term uh, for the, the president versus the rioters, basically, is how the narrative has been developed. And it's interesting, uh, Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe last week was was saying that the, the day after the riot, he said he he admits that he took them at their word when Mayor Lorzer and the governor were saying, oh, no, these weren't protesters and these were all out of town people and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, they, they've scooped up both people that have been charged with an on video of setting that cruiser on fire. One lived in Cranston and the other one uh, on Union Avenue, several miles from from the protest, all local. So that whole narrative immediately that went out, these were not protesters. These were people that came in from the outside. The fact of the matter is they were protesters and they were all local. But what's stunning is is how important it seemed at the time to immediately put it out there. And and the members of the media did, in fact, you know, kind of go with that. But, Justin, you're exactly right. You know, I, I observed her. I don't know this particular reporter, but last night. I even commented, is she covering the protest or is she at the protest? Because she she's very comfortable with, with all of them and uh, and then taking their picture. And I haven't even read her story. I'm sure it's going to be more of the same getting their quotes. But that was pretty dramatic. That family, the protesters basically were screaming and swearing and threatening and saying that un, un, unless that family with the young daughter, like that's who they targeted, you know, a young couple that bring their at least one child, there could have been another one in a booster seat out until she left. They were going to continue to harass. So now you become kind of the, you know, skunk at the garden party to the, the rest of the diners who just want to think that they be can, could finish the dinner. I, I think that was not brought out enough. And one other thing I want to mention is, and this is in no way ever covered in the local press. And that is, the effect when you have 100 people that are screaming um, F the police, it, it, there's nothing peaceful about that that changes the tone. That's not a peaceful demonstration. It, 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 it's hard to describe, but it, it's it, it actually you can feel it in the air. It changes the vibe. It changes the attitude. It, it creates that you almost feel there's going to be a fight in any minute. And sometimes there is, like there was last night. But they, they never mention the language. They never mention vulgar and how. One last part, I, I was then following them to the highway. And a lot of the restaurants, because of pandemic, have, have had to have their diners outside. And Justin, I could see Old Cantina, there's people scurrying inside. You, when you watch the news and you see what's going on in Wisconsin and then you see what's going on in Minneapolis or Chicago and and, and even really Washington, D.C. that's been really bad this weekend. And then you see, you know, over 100 people with flags and masks and they're pumping their fists and there's, some people are on bikes and they're marching towards you screaming vulgarity. I, I, it, it, I, I can't explain enough or, or emphasize enough. That's not peaceful. It is. It is very intimidating and threatening. That and and orchestrated. I mean, there's. I, I wrote this week on the Ocean State Current as well that the, this is not unfamiliar. I mean, there, there were Marxist communist actions in in Europe throughout the 70s, and were, that were deliberate. That looked very much like this. There, you know, it's very much like the, yeah. you know, the Soviet or the the Russian Revolution, um, and so it's definitely orchestrated. I, I love the idea of the the not peaceful. One of their favorite chants, obviously, is. Uh, no justice, no peace. Well, if you're pledging no peace, yep. you're not being peaceful. I mean, it's kind of implicit in that. And I, I think uh, there was a video, I think it was out of D.C., where there was an outdoor diner. Uh, the, the Black Lives Matter mob came through um, and just told all the, the diners they had to raise their fist. And one woman didn't do it. 
And so yes. they surrounded her and leaning over her, <laughs> no social distancing there, screaming at her to raise her fist and she wouldn't do it. And, and I, you kind of think that it'd be nice if the, the young family in Providence did that as well, but you know, nobody, nobody should be asked to, to do that when they're just out with their children on a night. Um, and you're right, they, they pick a target, you know, Saul Alinsky, pick a target, freeze it and isolate it. Who's here? You, you can almost imagine the, the organizers of the, the rally, the riot, the march, whatever you want to call it. Who's here that we should pick and isolate them so that as an example to everybody else? So we'll harass this person and everybody will get uncomfortable. And you raise a great point. Uncomfortable about that person. We're not here because of us, because we're wackos. And in some ways, that's parallel to everybody starting to blame President Trump for the left wing riots. Uh, but we're not to blame. We, those of us in the street with the bullhorns, we're not the problem. The problem is this family that's preventing us from leaving because they're staying at their table. Yes. And that's that's pretty classic. And I think part of the part of the challenge, even for for reporters of goodwill, which I, I believe Dan McGowan to be, for example, um, part of the challenge is this is not. It's kind of a you know you don't org, organize. It's not like the the conspiracy theory of George Soros paid a bunch of people to travel to Rhode Island and start a riot. It's not. It's more subtle than that. So early on in all of this, Kobe Dennis, who's a community activist in Providence, was talking about how people from out of state were coming into the state and kind of goading people. So that's kind of the outside influence. And they goad the locals into, you have to do action. In a state of a million people, you'll find some people willing to do it. So they do that. At the end of the Federal Hill thing, uh, some it, the, the closing thoughts of the march were, were kind of like a Marxist uh, recruitment pitch. Uh, so that's how you, that's how it escalates. And even the Antifa riots, if you, they're, they're, they're orchestrated to cause problem and create a dilemma for police. Do you stop it or do you let it go? What, what's all for the narrative that they're trying to get? And so I, th I think that's part of the problem that and covering it is it's, it's not quite local. It's not entirely local. It's driven by outside forces, but it's local people doing the action. Uh, and I, I think we're, we're in a very strange period. But again, as the theme of this episode, maybe the, uh, the news media is not giving us a clear picture of what we're actually dealing with here, which is very much a an organized revolutionary mo movement. Folks, he is the managing editor of OceanStateCurrent.com. It's Justin Katz. Justin, great job. And we will talk great, to you again. Look forward to the next one, John. A.E. Mazika Insurance Services, call today, free consultation. It's Scott and Alex, 401-353-9300. Folks, A.E. Mazika Insurance Services, located 1529 Middle Spring Avenue in North Providence. But you can call, free consultation, 401-353-9300. They're licensed Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and Florida. It's very simple. They're going to help you and your family save money. And maybe it's on your home insurance or life insurance business insurance, auto insurance, A.E. Mazika Insurance Services. Look for them on Facebook. They also have a great website. It's aemazika.com. Call them at 401-353-9300. What about if you save $200 a month? It's like giving yourself a raise. How about that? An extra $2,500 a year, maybe even more. And also, this time of year, make sure you're covered. Maybe it's for your motorcycle or your boat or jet skis, or an RV, or an off-road vehicle, A.E. Mazika Insurance Services. Call them today, 353-9300-401-353-9300. Let them help you save money. It all starts with one phone call. A.E. Mazika Insurance Services, 1529 Middle Spring Avenue in North Providence. Why not? Let them help you save money. Give yourself a raise. 401 353-9300. Look for them on Facebook and their website is aemazika.com. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. You want to stay as healthy as you possibly can. And one of the ways you can do that is if you stop in and see my friend Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 305 
305-385-305-3585. Stop in at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. I'll bet you've driven past that old church many different times. Now is your chance to stop in. And what are you going to find? Well, Marie is so incredible. It's My Health. It helps you with your health, your family's health. Vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies who understand quality, integrity, local products like a kai berry, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. At It's My Health at 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, you're going to find over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas. And folks, Marie is so knowledgeable. These are all natural ingredients you want to put when you're uh, put involved as ingredients when you're cooking and it's so healthy for you and your family, plus hemp and CBD products for oral and topical use. They have vitamins for children. They're going to keep you healthy. It's my health. Stop it and see Marie. Pop by 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 305-3585. What an incredible store, incredible selection. She is so knowledgeable. Just pop in. Swing in. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Folks, weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380. Remember now, Providence and North of Providence, I want you to try the 99.9 FM. 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website. Visit it, depetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. Right on the top on the left-hand side, You'll see where it says Listen Live. Just click on that. Anywhere in the world you can listen while we're live on the air. And then right below that on the dashboard at the website, you'll see where it says Radio Show. If you ever miss any part of the show, you just click on Radio Show. And folks, boom, there it is. You can pull it up. It's all in library fashion. And remember, the uh, Facebook Live is very, very popular. Check out the Facebook page. It's John DePietro Show on Facebook, and then you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram and also on YouTube. Again, it's all under John DePietro Show. Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today, 401-431-2300. MEGA Mega Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, Third-party brokers for your company, warehousing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies. You can depend on MEGA, MEGA Logistics. Call them today, 401-431-2300. 401-431-2300. Does that sound like your company? Maybe you have freight or you need freight goods third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MEGA Logistics, 401-431-2300.